Somebody over the mountain. While shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Oh, no, 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 no,
today we celebrate that the one who came to ransom Israel has ransomed all men. Not only Israel, Lord, you have redeemed the Gentiles too. You've made it possible for us to be grafted in to the olive branch. Lord, we rejoice today. That it is in Christ and Christ alone that we stand with our sin forgiven. Because the greatest gift ever given, God, you loved the world so that you gave your only begotten Jesus. Jesus Christ. God, you made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate today the first advent of our Savior. And while we eagerly await His second advent, Father, be glorified. Lord, today will You meet needs in Your church, the body of Christ, our family members right here at Hillside and beyond. Lord, will you today touch lives? Lord, as the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out in our community today, Lord, not only here, but in evangelical churches across this Portland metro area, 
Father, may people realize their need of a Savior and receive the gift of God. The gift of God. Forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, be glorified. We love you and we celebrate today. Lord, we pray for any in the house this morning that in the midst of the hustle of the season, in the midst of the pressures of life, Lord, where joy can so easily be zapped and taken and robbed, we pray today would be a day where we would slow down, think, meditate on the Word of God, and Lord, may the joy of the Lord so fill these earthen vessels that God, it would be a bubbling up, an overflowing. Lord, that there would be a good measure in us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That others around us would say, what's different about them? They seem to be filled with joy. And God, it would be an opportunity for us simply to share. It's because of Jesus. Jesus, the reason for the season. God, we love you. We praise you and ask your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning, Pastor Davis. As you're being seated, I'm going to invite the ushers to come as we continue in a time of praise and worship as well. One of the things that we can learn from Jesus of the many things is giving, giving of his life and his time and his ministry and uh, his finances, everything he gave to the Father. And we want to be faithful in that too, that we follow that example of giving. And just a moment, the usher is going to come as we prepare to give our tithe and offering. And also, we're coming to the end of the year for those that are uh, financially things as far as tax write-off or stocks or things like that. Remember, putting God first in all those things, we want to make sure that we're faithful because He is so faithful. Let's pray for our offering. Thank you, Father, this Christmas Sunday that we can give our offering, our tithe, our alms, our missions to you. And may it go to further you. May it not be about us or how much we get, but may we give more and more, Father. May we give and because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Sing with me. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, all is bright, round yon virgin, round yon virgin, mother Sleep in heaven
of you. We give you thanks this Christmas Sunday. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before we dive into uh, this morning's message, we have a treat with us this morning. We have our children that are going to come and they're going to share one of the songs that's part of our Christmas program put on by the kids. The title of the program is Rapping all the way. And uh, it's six o'clock tonight. And uh, as the children are making their way in this morning, will you give a warm welcome to our kids as they prepare to sing for us this morning out of Rapping All the Way? Hey, one of the announcements the candlelight service. Oh, or the candlelight service. Yeah.
Walking in darkness In despair and futility Struggling to see through confusion Yearning for So that's just a little commercial. Let's give it up for our kids again. Yeah, amen. You be sure to come out tonight at 6 o'clock for the whole program. It's going to be a great night. As they're making their way off, just a couple of quick announcements. Maybe I could have, is Matthew still in the house? Matt, somewhere around here, would you flip a few lights on? That'd be great. A couple of quick announcements. Number one, 6 o'clock tonight, come out and be a part of our celebration service, wrapping all the way with the children. And uh, want to also encourage you on uh, Wednesday evening on December 24th. Is that Wednesday evening or is that Thursday? 
hey, Christmas Eve, <laughs> I'll get my days right, Christmas Eve, to come out and join us for a candlelight Christmas Eve service. That will be a one-hour service from 6 to 7 o'clock right here, and so we encourage you to come and be a part and really celebrate with us again the Advent, the first Advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll be singing Christmas carols. We'll have something special for the children, and uh, we'll... Uh, We'll even have a little message from, <clears throat> you've heard of the three wise men. Well, you're going to hear from the three wise guys. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, come out and be a part of that. So <clears throat> I was telling Pastor Dennis and Pastor Matt uh, before service began this morning that in years past, in the first 10 years of the history of our church, we took the entire month of December to focus on the first advent of our Savior. And so we would literally have four messages surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And it was this year that we made the decision to continue in the study of the book of Revelation right up until the 20th of December. And then on the 20th of December, we would have one message uh, that was centered on the first advent of our Savior. So here's the, the good news is today it is a Christmas message. Hallelujah. Here, here, here's the bad news for you. It's the length of four sermons. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> hey, I got an applause. That's exciting. <laughs> um, so I, I literally this week, I, I, I had, I was thinking about the Christmas song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, and uh, irony, they had a youth Christmas party at our house, and they did one house of caroling, and they went and they sang The Twelve Days of Christmas. And my son Jonathan told me, Dad, we sang all 12 days. And I thought, wow, some folks really endured you standing at their front door. <laughs> but I was thinking about the 12 days, and I had really three messages. And one of those messages were 12 heralds, those that were making proclamation. I had 12 testimonies, and then I had uh, another 12. I don't even remember what it was. And I thought... Wow, that's a, that's a whole lot of oomph for a Sunday morning. And so I, oh, it was 12 testimonies as well. But what I, what I landed on, uh, and I really felt inspired by the Lord, were visitors on that first Christmas day. Visitors on the first Christmas day. And as we look at the scripture this morning, and we think about that first advent of our Savior and visitors. What sometimes we don't glean from the text is all that was required of those that were making travels during those days. Very different for us in the days that we are currently traveling. Uh, you and I, most often, if we need to go get something like a quick midnight run to McDonald's, or whatever it may look like for you. Uh, we just simply walk out our front doors. We take our car keys, put them in the ignition. We turn on the car and we drive and we get from point A to point B pretty fast. And pretty painless in many respects. But in this day, in the first century, it wasn't like that. And so I would that over the next handful of days leading up to December 25th, the day that we historically celebrate Christmas, I would that you would take time as a family. Maybe you would have a family dinner together. 
Maybe you would have five family dinners together over the next handful of days. Wherever it may be that you would spend time together as a family and you would read the stories, the the historical accounting of the first advent of Jesus Christ our Savior from the Gospel of Luke and from the Gospel of Matthew. You could even read John chapter, the first few chapters of John. But as you read through those, think about those that were there and some of the things that are not contained within the text, like the packing of the donkeys, what that must have been like. Think about the very nature that they did not have refrigeration. So the food that they were going to take on their travels, it had to be fresh and it had to be able to withstand time. They didn't have the McDonald's in the next town as they were driving along on their pack of mules that they could, or their camels or what have you. We loaded up our dromedary this morning and we headed off. They didn't have the opportunity necessarily just to pull off the side of the road. Think about the very nature. I, I watch young people now, predominantly young people, but everybody seems to carry around with them their little water bottles. We call them babas at our house. <laughs> Carrying around their babas. And we actually have water bottles now that are insulated so that you can put them in your freezer and you can freeze that little layer between the two skins, if you will, and then you can put your water in. So you have cold water throughout the entire day. Oh, cold water. Imagine those travelers let alone clean water, cold, ice cubes. These are, these, are, these are novel thoughts of the 19th, 20th, and 21st century. So I would that you would take time and reflect. Think about Ask questions. What did they do about this? What did they do about that? How did they launder their clothes? Well, they didn't use deodorant back then. What did it smell like? And try and put yourself in those shoes. And then think about the amenities that we have today. So many things that we have to be grateful for. So many things that would actually place us in terms of all of humanity and the six and a half billion people that are on the globe. The wealth wherewith we live. And the responsibility that goes with that as well. Just take time to think about what the advent of our Savior is about and the significance. And so this morning, these visitors, and I would have you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, if you will. And we're just going to go. And I I, want to speak from my heart this morning. I told my wife, I said, I, I had a whole bunch of notes and now I have no notes. And so it really could be four sermons worth in length. No, I'm teasing. Uh, But the first visitors that I want to look at this morning were the newlyweds. The newlyweds. They were visitors to Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, it says this, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went out to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. 
So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Betrothed to be married, a little bit different than how we do things today. But nevertheless, if you could or if you would, this was an engagement time for them. But here's the uniqueness of their story. They're traveling, and she is well advanced in her pregnancy. In their culture, they would be considered outcasts. In fact, could be stoned for what the appearance of having an immoral relationship and the implications associated with it. So these are now traveling in many regards in fear, loading up their animals and traveling, and the roads were probably packed with travelers. How many of us have gone out in this last week in the evening, say, after 5 o'clock, and got on the freeway only to realize even after 7 o'clock at night, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. Thank the Lord for brake lights. Dromedaries and donkeys don't carry brake lights. So as folks are moving, when something stops, I mean, you can come to an abrupt stop, and you might find yourself in a little bit of a mess. Well, nevertheless, these guys are traveling. And traveling in those days was not easy, particularly for someone who was with child, let alone the fear that they would be traveling with. And they responded to the decree that was given because they were under a rule that none of them desired to be under. How many of us have been under some level of rulership or uh, authority over us that we wished we didn't have over us? I remember as a young person thinking, boy, I really don't appreciate my parents' authority over my life. They tell me things and I have to do them. And I was a little bit intimidated by my dad, so I can just tell you, when he laid down the law, it was law, and you had to follow it. And if you didn't follow it, the consequences were steep. And this... These folks living in this day, when the decree goes forth from Caesar, Caesar was viewed this side of deity and a little later as deity. And so when they gave a decree, everybody responded whether you appreciated the authority or not. And so they are really traveling probably in a non-desirable scenario. They would normally make travels on a couple of occasions annually to the city of Jerusalem. But this was an unprescribed time of travel. And now they're traveling, and so we see them walk in obedience. And so this was a difficult thing for them. And yet, their response, their response, I'm not even sure they fully grasped what was transpiring. Were they aware of the Scripture? Were they aware of what the prophet Micah had declared in reference to Bethlehem? Were they aware of those things that while they were making their trek to Bethlehem, they were actually fulfilling what the prophets had proclaimed years, hundreds of years earlier? Well, they made it there, and they brought forth the greatest gift ever given. Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God, the Savior of the world. 
Isaiah the prophet tells us his name. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Not many names, but singular name. And that name encompasses the fullness and the character of God the Son. I think about us in this time right now. Imagine, imagine what it was like for them in that humble stable when they heard the first cry of the infant, Jesus. And the joy, the baby was born. He's alive. He's healthy. Like most mamas and papas, they were probably counting fingers and toes, making sure everything was healthy. There's a little baby, and he's wrapped up now in swaddling clothes. Mom was probably holding him for a while. Later, of course, we know she set him in the manger and all of those things that go with our accounting. But think about the emotion that was probably there, the joy. It was just filled with joy. I wonder right now in your life, When we think about the angels, and we'll talk about them in a few moments, but they said they came and they brought glad tidings, great joy for all people. Great joy. Where's your joy level this Christmas? Where's your joy level? Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord? Think about it for a moment. Think about your last week. Do you find joy in life? Do you find joy in what you do? I'm reminded that Ecclesiastes, Solomon, when he was writing these things, he said in relationship to our employment and what we do, all a man can do all the days of his life is eat, drink, and find enjoyment in what he does. Do you find joy in what you do? If you find and you reflect back and you realize, boy, my week has been a week of kind of complaining, and I'm a little bit blah, blah, blah about my blah, blah, blah job, I just want to encourage you. Jesus Christ came into this world. He came not to necessarily bring happiness to us. He came to bring holiness to us. Does that make sense? That's important. Sometimes, well, I'm not very happy. Well, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross for our happiness. He died on the cross for our holiness. But the beauty, the Bible reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. If your joy meter is somewhere down around the onesies and the twosies, and you say, man, I'd like to be up by the eightsies and the ninesies, I just want you to know, slow down, slow down. Saturate yourself in the story saturate yourself in God's story. When you think of history, it is His story. Think about His story. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And will you allow the Spirit of God to well up in you a joy, the joy of your salvation. If you say, I can't, I got circumstances that are so far beyond anyone's comprehension right now. And many of us in this room feel that way. There is one who understands every one of our circumstances, every one of our situations. And here's the, at the end of the day, 
When your life and my life has come to its end or the call up yonder occurs, when we get there, you know it's not going to be about the road that we've traveled. We're going to look at each other and say, we made it. We made it. Salvation. The joy of our salvation. The person that you are today, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, is not the person you once were. Jesus has done something miraculous. He's taken up residence in our lives. That's miraculous in and of itself. He's given us new life, and he's given us eternal life. Mary and Joseph, those visitors that night and that time into Bethlehem, into the city, they brought forth a tremendous gift, and the gift is for all mankind, all mankind. The second visitors, the angels, the angels to the plains or the angels to the fields. Verse 8 begins this way. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angels, visitors, stepping out of their realm and stepping into our realm. Now, we have a glimpse of this happening throughout Scripture in many occasions. What was it like and what is it like for angels to step into our realm? You ever think about that? Here they are often in the presence of God himself. And then they look at us. They must wonder what in the world is wrong with these folk. (laughs) How come we don't obey? How come? We don't follow the Lord. How come we continue in our own selfish behaviors and all of those things? What it must be like for them. They probably scratch their heads and look at one another and go, really? And yet, in the affairs of man, the Bible tells us they are ministering spirits unto men. They're here to help us, to guide us, to protect us, to bless, to bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The angels brought what they carried with them, if you will. I believe, first of all, was an obedience to the Lord. They responded in obedience and said, we'll take the message and we'll declare the message. First the angel of the Lord, then the other angels who came with They also brought forth their worship, a display that must have been magnificent for the shepherds. Imagine the terror. They're out in the fields by night watching their flocks. It's probably nice and quiet. 
They got the wolf lookout, right? The wolf lookout. Anybody see any wolves? No wolves. Great. Quiet night. Boom! An angel of the Lord! Now, I don't know about you. I've not had a bright light show up where it's not supposed to be and have an angelic being standing there. But I'm pretty sure if I did, I would probably be so in terror that I would lose the strength in my legs, I would probably drop flat on my face and just be out. And even if I wasn't out, I would pretend like I was because I wouldn't want something to go wrong. (laughs) But here's the thing. These men, men, who know what it's like to protect. They didn't have revolvers or rifles. Most of them likely had slingshots, perhaps a bow and arrow, but weapons that we don't necessarily frequent. Some of us bow hunters might. But these are this is they're out there, and all of a sudden something out of the ordinary happens. Terrifying. I was recently upstairs in my house and I heard a noise downstairs that was racket. And I knew the only people in the house were me and my wife. And my daughter was actually in her room and the door was closed. And so I knew, hey, there's nothing going on. And I thought to myself, what in the world was that? And I all of a sudden, emotion went through me. In fact, adrenaline. Anybody here ever get an adrenaline rush? Yeah, do you remember the last time someone decided they were going to hide somewhere and scare you? Jump up, hey! (laughs) Your body reacts. I imagine these guys reacted. Story goes on. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem. We'll pick this up in just a moment. The third visitor's are the shepherds. So we have the newlyweds, we have the host of angels, and now we have the shepherds. And the shepherds are going to make their way to the humble stable, if you will, or the manger. And it says, They said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing, that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Imagine after the angels departed. We don't have the number of shepherds indicated, but let's say it's a group of guys. I mean, I know what it's like for me to be with a group of guys, and we start talking excitedly about something. And I mean, the fervor can rise. Hey, let's go do this thing. Let's go check this out. This is going to be great. The announcement. You you think some of them may have actually run down the hill? I mean, I get the feeling that these guys were moving because the Bible goes on to tell us, and it says, verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. Well, how far away was the field to the city? We don't have that for us, but these guys were hustling. They're making their way in. Now when they had, or excuse me, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The visitors to the stable, the visitors who bypassed the inn door because Mary and Joseph were not in the inn because there was no room for them. Rather, they were out in the stable where all of the traveler's animals were packed in. And there they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Jesus wrapped in clothes and lying in the manger. The beauty I see with these men, I think it's noteworthy that they moved hastily. They moved quickly. Can I suggest to you, when the Lord speaks to you, and He does this often, He challenges us, He encourages us, He guides us, He directs us, He changes our path. Remember, He is the one who is the director of the footsteps of the righteous. He orders our way. When the Lord orders our way, and He inspires us, can we also, like the shepherds, move hastily? I will submit to you, just like Mary and Joseph were obedient, just like the angels who said, I'll obey the commandment. Remember how we were taught to pray uh, that we would uh, obey as the angels do in heaven? That we would, uh, thy will be done on earth as it what is in heaven. When the angels were given the commandment, they went forth. They did it. They obeyed. And here, the shepherds, we, we see this haste moving towards, moving towards. They heard the word of the Lord, and they moved with speed. I just want to encourage you in your life. Joy often is followed when we obey the Lord. If your joy level again is low, if we will but obey, I believe that God will bring joy in a greater measure in our life. But they moved hastily. And when they saw the child and they found everything as it was told them, they went and told everybody. They went and they made not just known... But they made widely known, widely known. Think about this for a moment in your life and in my life. These men were not told to go do that. They did not have the great commission. But they went and made widely known the message. You and I, on the other hand, as the body of Christ, the church... We have been given that great commission. We have been given that instruction. We have been given this inspiration to go forth and make known. How are we doing? Are we making widely known? Are we making known, period? Think about your own realm of influence. These fellows were talking to people they knew, people they didn't know. But they were telling everybody around Bethlehem for sure. And out in the fields they were telling. They were making widely known 
those things about this babe in the manger. I just want to challenge you and challenge myself. We've got an assignment. Theirs was not an assignment. Theirs was a joy to go forth and tell. I want to encourage you. Some of the most joyful times in my walk in faith has been when I've shared the simple message of Jesus. The simple message of Jesus. The simplicity of the message. It could be someone standing in line at Del Taco. McDonald's, Del Taco. There's something wrong with my diet. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I may down in Salem, and I've had a meeting. It's a lunch meeting, and so I, or it was around the lunch hour, so I make my way somewhere, and I'm there, and I have the opportunity simply. There's a guy I will never likely see again in my life. And I simply get to tell him in a nutshell. Hey, bro, can I tell you the greatest story? Sure. Thanks. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, man, I don't know. Well, no, 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 no. Just let me just tell you real quickly. This is who I once was. And, man, I had this encounter with the Savior of the world, Jesus. This is what he's done in my life. And he's doing it to this day. Would you like the God of the universe doing something in your life? Well, maybe. Well, let's talk about that. And I just get a chance to visit. And I walk away, I get in my car, and I drive away, and I think, that was epic. That was so cool. Whether they respond to the gospel or not, it's one of the most fire upable things, fill in the blank with an adjective, that happens. I just want to encourage you. It, it'll ignite the fire in you. You say, man, my Christianity's kind of burned out. I don't have a whole lot of fervor. Yeah, I mean, Dave, I hear you talking like that. But, you know, that's, I mean, you're a pastor. You do that. No. No. You need the ignition, fire, and joy. Hey, go share your faith. Go share your faith. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about just taking a few minutes and writing your testimony out. Your testimony. Not somebody else's. Not some magnanimous story about kabooms and things like that. Your story. I was once this, and you know what you were like before you knew Jesus. Then Jesus came in, and maybe you were five years old, and you were like a terrible sinner. And you made your way to the altar on a Sunday morning that you went to church every Sunday anyway, and you gave your heart to Jesus. Hallelujah! That is a powerful testimony, because here's at the very core of that testimony. You were dead in your sin and transgression, and Jesus made you alive. Hallelujah. That is a miracle. And if your faith is in Jesus today, you are a walking miracle. Come on. Come on. He'll fire you up. We need a little fire. And we definitely need more joy. Okay. So here's these guys. They go and they make it widely known. Let's make it widely known. And verse 20 tells us that they worshiped the Lord. They worshiped the Lord. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. I just want you to note something. They weren't in church on Sunday, it wasn't the first day of the week. 
It wasn't Sabbath necessarily. They weren't going to synagogue. They weren't going to a house church. They were in their place of employment. Hello? Rejoicing and praising God. I remember when I was working in industry. Most of you know that I worked in the steel industry for about 10 years. And let me just tell you, in the steel industry, language is a little different. Just a little side note. And I remember I made a decision. I made the decision early. I actually made the decision when I was playing football in college. I was playing football in college. And actually, language on the football field in college is very similar to the language in the steel mill uh, and the steel industry. But here's the deal. I decided that, hey, if I'm going to have to listen to all these guys use such profanity and giving God all new last names and so forth, that every time someone said something like that, I was just going to do the exact opposite. So someone would, you know... Drop a four-letter word, I'd say, hallelujah! <laughs> like, what? Help them up. Hey, praise God! And I started just deciding that it's, if, if the world can do that proclamation where they're at, why can't the believer make the same proclamations to the glory of God where we're at? So don't be shy at work when something goes your way to say, Hallelujah! Every head turns. Then you smile. (laughs) Praise God. Let me tell you something. You're going to be making a proclamation. You'll make a proclamation where you're at. These guys, in their workplace, they were glorifying and praising God. It is encouragement to you, to me. Hey, where we are. Where we are. Let's not be shy in worship to the king. Amen. The Bible tells us, Paul writing to the church in Rome, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. For this is your spiritual worship. This is your reasonable service. 1 John chapter 5, I think it's verse 3 says, This is the love of God, right? That we obey the commandments of the Lord. Hey, why not in the process of simply obeying the Lord, make known our love and worship to Him everywhere we are. Does that make sense? Okay, next visitors. So, verse 21 says, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
So he came by the Spirit into the temple. So we have this devout man, an elderly man, who's a visitor to the temple. He makes his way to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now let me stop here for a moment. I love that it says of this man, Simeon, who was a just and devout man. Can I pre can I just preface his offerings to the Lord began way before this particular day. You see, he had already offered his ways to the Lord. He was just and he was devout. He was committed. He was committed. I, I believe that that is a challenge for every follower of Christ to this day. To be committed to the Lord. To be committed to the Lord. To be committed to the Lord and his not only saviorship, but also his lordship in our lives. Remember, this is the love of God that we obey his commandments. How, how beautiful that that next portion of that scripture says, and his commandments are not burdensome. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. And I see that Simeon was that kind of guy. He was devout in his commitment to the Lord. I wonder how joyful he was on that day. He had been waiting. The word of the Lord, think about how God has already spoken to him and how God the Holy Spirit is speaking to people today, to you, to me, today. He wants to direct our paths. He wants us to be aware of the promises of God in our lives. He's bringing these things to light. Oh, if we would just listen to the Lord, right? How beautiful that there's an expression that this man listened to the Lord. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he heard the Spirit saying, you won't taste death until you've seen the consummation. Messiah! What do you suppose his joy was like when he sees Mary and Joseph coming into the temple with baby Jesus? And he sees. What would that have been like? You think this old guy got a little pick up in his step and moved toward them somewhat rapidly like we just saw the shepherds? I get this picture that he came and he's like, Mary, give me this boy. And he just like takes the boy. He just holds him up. I mean, first of all, it's a child. Babies are so cool. They're just pure. There's innocence and there's yeah, I mean, you just have to make a little look at them, right? And then they do that little thing. <laughs> it's so great. And he must just with joy, overflowing joy, he's seen 
the Savior. He says, now I can depart in peace. I've seen the consummation of Israel and the one who is going to bring hope to the Gentiles. Imagine for you and I the declaration and the affirmation that this good news is for all people. It includes you and me. You and me. Wow. He offered up blessing. A gift of blessing. Blessing the child and blessing the parents and blessing God. Verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall of many. Or excuse me, the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The second of these elderlies is Anna. It says, verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. Of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Listen to verse 38. And coming in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Thanksgiving. She was thankful. Lord, you've brought salvation. You've brought salvation. Thank you. Thank you. This Christmas season, we talked a little bit about joy. We didn't talk much about peace, and I would like to just submit now wherever your peace meter is, if you're on the low end of the scale, I would invite you to come and worship the Prince of Peace. The one who is able to give peace that transcends understanding, guards hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is said that He is the one who can take anxiety away. Right? That's what the Scripture implies. Well, this woman here, she is devout, She serves God with fastings and prayers night and day. A visitor that day, if you will, in the temple, albeit she is in the temple all the time, at that moment it says, coming in. So she came in and seeing, she gives thanks to the Lord and spoke to all those who looked for the redemption of Israel. So here, with thanksgiving, she also, like those shepherds, made declaration of the things associated with the Christ child, Jesus, who was born. Lord, help us to be actively engaged in thanksgiving to the Lord. We're encouraged by the Apostle Paul, be joyful always, uh, making prayers on all occasions with thanksgiving. This is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So, prayers thanksgiving and joy. And so we see this in Anna. Finally, we'll turn from this section and flip over to Matthew chapter 2. So from Simeon and Anna, 
we come to some final visitors that we'll look at today in this Christmas story. Wise men from the east, the magi. The magi that come to the house. I know your manger sets have the magi and the little donkey and a few other things, and there's three of them. I just want you to know that's not accurate history. Uh, there, historically, we say there were three magi simply because there were three gifts that were brought, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. However, we don't know the number of magi, but what we do know about this entourage of people that were coming was it was big enough to cause a stir in the whole city. It turned the city like, what's going on? To understand who the Magi are, and we won't go there today, I won't take the time this morning, but these were kingmakers from the east, part of the Persian kingdom. In fact, it is very likely we don't have this biblically, but extra biblically, we understand that these Persian king or the magi or magistrates, the king makers, go all the way back to the book of Daniel. And for those of us who have been engaged in our study in the book of Revelation, we went back to Daniel chapter 9. And we've looked at those prophecies. Daniel himself underneath that Cyrus Persian king and that sequential kings of the Persian empire. He became what was known as the Rab Mag, the head of the Magi. How interesting. Daniel having so much to do with the people Israel and the holy city Jerusalem. Most would purport that these magi that showed up were from the traditions handed down going all the way back into the days of Daniel as the rab mag, the head of the magi, giving the information and the foretelling of what would come. These looking for and coming to make king out of the Messiah. It turned the city into a stir. Visitors from afar, the magi. That come to the house. Matthew chapter 2. I'll read a handful of verses here. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Do you find this ironic? Here's the thing that I just find absolutely ironic. In all four accounts of the Gospels, you would think that one of the Pharisees, one of the Sadducees, somebody in the Sanhedrin would have asked Jesus, now, I know it said that you come from Nazareth, but like, where were you born? And like that's never even asked. And if that had been asked, right? He's in Bethlehem. Wait a minute. I mean, that could have, it could have had a profound impact. 
It says, verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Visitors from afar coming to the house when they encountered the young child Jesus. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. I want you to note also that they didn't just worship them, worship Jesus with their physical being. They brought gifts to the Lord. They brought of their treasures joyfully. Can I say this real quick? We talk often in every service about worshiping the Lord with the fruits or the first fruits of our increase, bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Can I say the underlying principle here is not obedience necessarily. It's generosity. We serve a generous God. He is benevolent, beyond benevolence. He's generous. And his children ought to be a reflection. Can I say there is tremendous joy in giving to the Lord? I just want to encourage you, like these guys who bowed down and worshiped the Lord, it would appear that they had great joy in bringing their treasures to the Lord. I just want to encourage you to bring your treasures to the Lord. But most important, that you would find the joy of worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. Think about what these men did. This entourage. It wasn't like Mary and Joseph loading up a couple of mules and maybe a dromedary or you know a couple of other relatives that are going to maybe travel with them. They're moving you know, from Nazareth into Bethlehem, this little distance maybe. These guys are traveling a great distance with a large entourage that's going to turn a whole city upside down. When they move from city to city making their way to Jerusalem... There was like, what's going on here? Who are these cats? Are these guys coming for war? Who, what is this group? Now, they're under Roman rule, and these are Persians. There was not like cahoots, like some Persians are on the move. This is like a big deal. They're moving. Imagine just getting water for all those beasts of burden. Anybody want to sign up for that job? I'd like to be in the water brigade. No thanks. Potentially hundreds of animals, maybe thousands. Endurance for some period of time. All to bring worship. To bring worship.
How many times have you got up on a Sunday morning and you thought, ah, my curling iron's not working. I just want you to know, Nico, that's never happened to me. (laughs) Now, ladies, think about the things that can mess up your morning, right? Getting ready to come to church. Fellas, I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe your shirt's not ironed and you're like, I got to iron today. What a bummer. And we think, oh, we have to endure so much to put ourselves together to come and worship together as a fellowship. Then when we look at this, we go, man, I got it easy. This is nothing. These guys did all that just to worship the king. Brings a little perspective. A little perspective. So the visitors to the first Christmas. We looked at five different groups, if you will. The challenge I make for you in this season of joy, in this season of celebration, in this season of love, in this season of giving, I would that you would take time as a family. And I mean as a family. Maybe you've got sons and daughters that have moved out. Why don't you call them and invite them over? Maybe it's going to happen on Christmas morning or Christmas afternoon or Christmas evening. Maybe it's a matter of turning off the television and say, hey, let's, let's look at this and let's, let's think about what these guys did. They didn't have TV. They didn't have radio. They didn't have communication devices. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have dumb phones. They didn't have phones. I actually tried to leave a message. I sent a message to a house phone the other day via text. That doesn't work. <laughs> I'm learning some things. Anyway, they didn't have all those things to interrupt, if you will. So I just want to encourage you, slow down a little bit. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the shopping. It's not about what you can or cannot afford. It's about Jesus. It's about the love of the Lord. It's about your family. It's about others. Loving on people. It's about giving. But can I suggest to you that giving may not necessarily be a physical present. Maybe you're here today and you've not given your love to someone that you know you should. Might be calling that relative that hurt you, offended you. Well, the offense probably happened on social media, so... It could be just making a contact with them. Maybe your last encounter with them wasn't good. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your neighbor. I don't know. The Bible says freely you have received. Freely what? Give. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you need to extend forgiveness. Maybe you've been holding on to something. Harboring. You're just like... They don't deserve it. It beckons the question, did you? Did I? God so loved that he gave, right? What might Christmas look like for us this year? As visitors, we come and we look at that first advent. How might God want to transform us? What about your worship? What about your joy? What about your peace? What about all those things that are reflected in this story? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to invade your family and to invade your life this Christmas season. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's pray.
As you're standing, I do want to remind you to come out again tonight at 6 o'clock for our children's program. It's going to be a great night as we hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the hearts and the mouths of our children. A season of joy, I pray the Lord would grant us joy. A season of peace, I pray the Lord would grant peace. A season of worship, I pray the Lord would grant worship in our hearts and in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks today for the greatest gift ever given. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Lord, in the message we have from Luke and in the message we have from Matthew, we find these visitors that traveled to and fro. And in their traveling as visitors, they each visited a place and they brought with them gifts. Some worship, some treasures, some uh, just a variety of things from even simple allegiance. They shared the message as they went. I pray, Lord, that our encounter as the family of God, our encounter as our individual families, and our encounters as individuals with that first advent as we come to Jesus, whether like a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, whether a young child, whether as the Savior upon the cross, the resurrected Jesus after his crucifixion. I pray each of us would have a transformation that our joy would be full, that our peace would be inexplainable, and that our worship would be in spirit and in truth. Father, may you fill, may you bless. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 And before you make your way out, I know we're, we're starting to move. If you're here today and your faith is not in Jesus Christ, you've not put your trust in what Christ accomplished, we would invite you to come and talk. I'll be up here in the front. And if you would like to know what it means to be born again, we would love to share with you that portion of the gospel that you might put your faith in Jesus Christ. Will you take time today and come forward and speak with one of us? We love you and we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. God bless you.